Shit about death with Diane and Jeff. Yeah, we're all bereft, so get it off your chest. We're talking shit about death. We're talking shit about death. Well, hi there. On this episode, we're talking shit about death with Josie Furchgott, sort of. She's an artist who makes all sorts of fantastical things drawings, paintings, tattoos, even clothing. You can find her on Instagram at Feisty Inc. and Feisty Inc. Threads. Josie lost her partner, Vermont legend Andy A. Dog Williams, back in 2013. Hey there, Josie. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to Talking Shit About Death with Reverend Di and Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's been a long time of coming. <laughs> I feel that, but you know, it's always relevant, so. Rome wasn't built in a day, as they say. So anyway, what are you doing? I'm uh, at home working, drawing some things. And you're in Miami? I am. That's fabulous. And anyway, so I know who you are. <laughs> For those people that don't know you, you're Josie. And you're a fabulous artist, and you're, uh, you do tattoos, and you do designy things, and like those clothes that I've seen. I cannot wait for that. And um, and we're going to talk shit about death. I'm ready. Right, I'm what do, here for it. What do you want to talk about? I mean, I think we're going to talk about Andy. Yeah. A little bit. But um, for the people that don't know who he was, Andy A. Dog Williams, fabulous uh, person all around, fabulous human being. But he was a, a DJ, a skateboarder, a snowboarder. What else was he? Artist. Um, musician, I mean DJ musician, but he was like a legit turntablist used them as uh, instrument kind of DJ um, he was community member one of the most generous vivacious, positive people you would ever meet <laughs> if you had the fortune to meet him I'm so um, glad I did yeah me too. Um, <laughs> and you, you guys were together for how long? So I met Andy when I was 21, and he was 32. Mm -hmm. He's 11 years older than me. <laughs> um, and we were together for six years until he passed away in transition. Right. And so he had leukemia? Yeah, he was diagnosed with leukemia on December 18th, 2012. And then he had to, because of the aggressiveness and rarity of his type of leukemia, the acute myeloid leukemia, super fast acting, aggressive, mm -hmm. he had to get a stem cell transplant. Um, so he didn't actually pass away from leukemia itself. Right. He was in a remission, but stem cells transplants are like a last resort thing. They're so intense, like right. one of the most intense medical procedures. So that's what ultimately ended up like the cause right and it was a it was a bone marrow transplant was that what it was i mean because i'm so stem cells or bone marrow what's the difference so people kind of like lump it into the same thing okay. but it's stem cell 
is a different procedure. Um, you're using someone's stem cells, basically. But mm-hmm. it is from their bone marrow. It's a, just a different um, procedure. Sometimes with what he had going on, sometimes people have to get bone marrow transplants. Um, but he was able to do a stem cell. Oh, gotcha. I guess I was I was a little confused myself. Yeah, I mean, people call it, you know the same thing. But yeah. I mean, if you're not gosh. if you're not right in the middle of it, it's hard to know exactly what to say or call it. I guess. Totally. I mean, I didn't know shit about it until <laughs> until it happened, to. right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I knew Andy a little bit, and you know, just from Red Square and working there and whatever. And when he passed away, I kind of was like, ah, I didn't really know him that well. And my friend Becky was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I did. And I was actually just thinking about the last time I saw him in person was I was down at the compound in on Church Street. And I was just kind of hanging out, doing stuff, man, I were hanging out. And I looked out the window and there was Andy. And I was like, what the hell are you doing here? And he, I went outside and he, he was down there looking for Big Dog for whatever reason. And um, I went out and talked to him, and he had, I think he had the the ports and things all in, and he told me that he had to go get a root canal the next day or something, and I was like, oh, dude, yeah. I was like, Jesus, yeah. it's like your house burned down, you got this, you got that, what the hell, it's crazy. Yeah, he had some crazy luck, that's I know, for damn but, sure. But he was also really lucky. Yeah. I've been actually thinking about that a lot today, weirdly enough. Sometimes I feel like I'm a really lucky person, and sometimes I feel like I've had some bad things happen. But you know what? It's freaking life, right? You have good things and bad things. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. I'm like, I've had extremely incredible luck, and then I've had really fucked up luck. Like, very <laughs> extremes, like very, very extreme. You know, I think that's kind of how it works sometimes. It's like the balance to love so deeply, you're also going to feel pain in the same Oof. deepness on the other end of the spectrum at some point because that's just because it happens like i can't imagine you ever thought that he would have this would have happened right no How, i like, mean it's it, it was crazy because he was by the time he was diagnosed he was probably only sick for six weeks it's super fast acting Oof. and it's not a hereditary thing it's they didn't really know why he it just, got leukemia. It just um, came out of the blue. Yeah, literally. It's and so then, weird. you know, when he was uh, sick and that whole journey, I I was actually just talking to somebody about this um, last night about the power of hope. I mean, you don't think that your person is going to die like the whole time. You're holding on to that hope and you're convinced that that's just not an option you know you can't really think about that first of all but also you don't believe that that could possibly happen and it wasn't until we were going home in hospice from the hospital in boston that i really you know and that was like three days before he actually transitioned that was the first time i realized it or came to terms with the fact that he was not going to make it that's sort of how I felt like when, when Matt got diagnosed with melanoma, I was like, nah, that's no big deal, whatever. Yeah. It's a little pesky melanoma, no big deal, just whatever. And then they're like, oh, we're going to have to amputate your toe. And I was like, all right, that's cool. Nobody needs a toe. You're like, what? Yeah. And I was like, no big deal, blah, 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 blah. And it was just like, I never thought that he would die. 
it just seems so bizarre. Like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know? Yeah, because how can you? I mean, man, you can't get through the shit that you have to get through when your partner is sick and you're their caretaker. If you think yeah. that they're not going to make it. The hope thing is really a really key thing. I mean, even just hoping for that next minute. Yeah, I mean, it makes you really present. I don't know if you and Matt experience this, but you just really are so present with each other because you're in an alternate universe, first of all, that like living in the hospital, dealing with all that stuff, really facing life and death every day to such extreme measures. It makes you really present. And then also when you're going through something like this with your lover, your partner, your best friend, you experience intimacy on such a deeper level than I think you could ever experience with another person if you're not in this position. Yeah, that's the weird thing because it's like kind of beautiful. It's it's a it's yeah. a drag. It sucks. It's terrible. It's sad. Like, but I never really felt that way. I never really did until after the fact. You know, you're just there, and you're not. You can't think about like what's going to happen or. You can't think about anything except for what's happening right then. Like living in the moment and being right there and present and yeah. just helping the person, like picking him up or helping him walk yeah. or whatever. And that's stuff that you don't ever think about when you're totally healthy and great. And it's beautiful. I mean, it's really beautiful. It, it sucks. It but it's... You know, I think we as a culture, specifically, you know, in America, Western kind of culture, we don't like to talk about death, first of all. Exactly. We don't like to talk about illness. We don't like to be around it. You know, people ghost on you and you're going through shit like this because a lot of people have a lot of fear or are just uncomfortable with it. It's totally uncomfortable is, for yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, and it is uncomfortable. It's great. It's, it <laughs> makes you really face death and life and all the things, but it's so complex because there's so many beautiful aspects of it and yeah. painful and unbearable for sure but i think people really simplify it in a way that loses the beautiful aspects of the intimacy that you experience and the power of life the power of death i am thankful for the experiences that andy and i shared during his illness that were so beautiful i mean of course yeah. I wish that he was here and healthy and that we never had to go through any of that shit, obviously. <laughs> exactly. You can't think like that because it happened. You, you. you can't think about like, what if blah, blah, blah. Like, uh -uh. I think about that because Matt had this weird, he had Bob Marley toe, I like to say, because um, that's what happened to Bob Marley. He had a fucked up toe and then he, it was yeah. melanoma. And um, sometimes I wish that I had you know, made him go to the doctor sooner or made him live. But it was just, you can't think about what if, because the, it's impossible. I mean, you can think about that all you want, but if you dwell on that, it's just going to be terrible. So you just have to yeah. accept what happened and move forward. Yeah. And you guys had control over, um, cause Matt passed away at home, right? Like yeah. you guys, I feel like I've, I remember like you guys made it like a specific decision, right? Well, yeah, kind of. I mean, he wanted to be at home and stuff, but I sort of have trouble remembering every little detail because it was so, I was so, it was a little out of body kind of weirdness, sort of. Totally. But um, he actually talked to the people about the Act 39, you know, where you could, you get, 
a terminal illness, you can sign up to do this thing and take medicine to, you know, go at some okay. point. But I'm kind of bummed out about that because they, you have to meet with these people and these doctors and then they have, you have to be, you have to get so sick, but you have to be able to say you want to do it. And like at the point when he wanted to go, like he couldn't do it because the doctors didn't think he was with it enough to know when he had already well, said it a long time ago. And like, you have to be able to swallow a pill within uh, a minute. And like, he couldn't even swallow water. And like, I've had cats that had cancer and it's humane to put them down before they're suffering. And, but with yeah. human beings, they make it so hard to do that. It's just, I don't know. That's an aside. But no, it's infuriating, actually. It is. I'm kind of cheesed about it and I kind of want to do something, but I don't know what to do. I'm going to work on that. Yeah. I mean, I think having control over how you pass away is really important. It was interesting because someone gave Andy, when he got sick and was in the hospital, they gave him the Tibetan book of living and dying. Uh And when he was in the hospital, he read the living part. And then after he transitioned, I actually started reading the dying part. Uh (laughs) And it was really fascinating to me because, you know, when Andy was sick, he was at the end. We pretty much spent six months on this unit in Boston. The, like, it was kind of like the ICU of bone marrow transplant, Mm -hmm. stem cell transplant. It was really incredible unit of people that worked there, the nurses, the assistants were all so incredible. And a lot of them have been working on that same unit for 30 plus years. Wow. You know, it was like that. Like if someone had been working there for 10 years, it was like they were new. <laughs> um, so it was, it, they were all really incredible people and we got really close with them because we were pretty much living there for six months. We had like a three month chunk, four month chunk. And then we had another two and a half month chunk and wow. you know in between that we were like going back and forth to Boston so we were there longer than most patients because Andy just had so many insane rare complications yeah. but near the end you know the doctors will keep trying and trying and trying and their their thought is of the illness the disease how they can keep someone going but they're not thinking about the person and that's just kind of how western medical you know medical yeah it's like but keep them going the nurses knew andy and me so well at that point after like six months of us living there that they knew that andy didn't want to die in the hospital they knew that was not gonna be good for me good for andy good for anything so they actually had a full-on fight with (laughs) the doctors um all the nurses on the unit, like, were like, you need to be real. Because when Andy first got diagnosed, we kind of made, by Andy's choice, a decision that he was going to focus on just trying to be better, get better, and focus on his, like, physical and his mental. Because you feel really helpless when someone you love is going through shit like this. And you really can't. <laughs> do anything to yeah. like change the actual illness. So what Andy asked me to do was to take care of all the like doctor medications, all that stuff. So all his doctors, all of his nurses really respected that and they knew to talk to me first before yeah. Andy even sometimes. And I was the one like I gave him shots. I learned how to be a nurse. I would flush out his lines and his port. 
um, when we were at home that he was taking like 50 plus yeah. medications a day that were timed throughout the day. I was in charge of all that, you know, yeah. so when it got time, like the nurses were fighting with the doctors and were like, you need to be honest with them because you know, he's not going to make it out of here. You yeah. can sustain him because he was like, had to have blood transfusions, was on IV nutrition. Like he wasn't, he could live longer in the hospital, but he wasn't going to get out of that yeah, hospital. And so. he, could, he could stay alive, but he's not going to live there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not like, living. You're just for like surviving. Yeah, quality of life. Like yeah. you were talking about, like, that's not quality of life. Mm-mm. And so I'm really thankful to them because I would never have been able to call it you know, you will take your person, whether they're like barely breathing for however long for attorney, because you just love them, but you also love them more than yourself. So you know that that's not quality of life and that's not what they want. And so when we went home in hospice, I'm just so thankful that those nurses did that to allow us to have that time because having control and being in our own space, we yeah. went to my parents' house in Lincoln, Vermont, and that Andy will like called Paradise, and just having people that love Andy all around, and to be in our space, not in the hospital, and to just have control. And like after Andy passed away, um, you know, in the hospital, they just take the body away immediately, and yeah. that to me is just really tragic. It's weird. <laughs> and. It is weird because, I don't know, I'm not a religious person, but I'm spiritual. And I'm spiritual based on my experiences. And being with Andy when he passed, it was the most profound experience I've ever had in my life. And it was so deeply spiritual. Like, I felt and watched his body separate from his spirit. And, like, there's a transition time. Like to take someone's body immediately yeah. is not letting there that be that transition time that's just part of the cycle. And it was just a really beautiful experience to be able to bathe him and dress him and have his physical body be there, but you could feel his spirit yeah. everywhere. It yeah. was powerful and you can't do that in the hospital. And yeah, I'm just thankful for that. That's exactly kind of what happened with me. Like, you know, when, when Matt passed away, it was just me and him. And it, yeah. it was like, I had sent out messages to people. I was like, I think it's go time, light a candle. And people sent me messages like, you know, tell my love him. Blah, blah, blah. And like, not a million. I only told a few people, whatever. And, uh-huh. you know, he was just in bed chilling and with a cat. And uh-huh. there was flowers and candles. And I was just like, hey, Dima says he loves you. Okay, whatever. Here's a song. Boo, boo, boo. And then when he went, I was right there and I just, I said, you know, don't worry about it. Everybody loves you. I love you. I'll take care of everything. Just go. And he just took his last little breath and I was like, is that it? <laughs> and mm. and it was. And then it was just kind of like, all right, that wasn't weird. It wasn't, it wasn't creepy or freaky or strange. It was just exactly perfect. And, and I was just like, okay. That's cool. And then he was here for a while, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. And my friends showed up by act. They didn't know what happened. Whatever. It's it's a long story. And you know he was here. And then I didn't know what to do. He was just chill. I was gonna like go cover him up. And I was like, nah. You know, you're just hanging out. It's just your vessel. It's cool. Uh-huh. And then 
the nurse, you know, I had to call and whatever this nurse came and it's all, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. But it's, that would never have happened at the hospital. Like, uh-uh. cause I've been at the hospital with people that die and it's just so, it's very clinically ish. I mean, I know they try not to be, but it still is. Like, I think everybody should die at yeah. home if you can. I agree. I you mean, know? oh yeah, actually before I went on my long rant. I started that about the book because oh, yeah. that's what it talks about. And it was really interesting because just intuition wise, you know, when we had that space to be at home and have it be authentic, my intuition was to, you know, have that whole kind of, it was like a ceremony in a way yeah. of like bathing Andy for the last time and dressing him in clothes that he would want to be <laughs> dressed in and to have, loved ones come through and and be there like we had some very specific people that loved Andy come through like friends family Mm -hmm. and just be with him and we had his body he passed away at seven o'clock in the morning and we had his body there until the um cremation guy um came to pick his body up at like five o'clock in the afternoon and having that time and space was so special and it was just intuition that just kind of made that feel right and reading that book it talks about how you transition out of this world is one of the most important things to be surrounded by love to be touched to be loved on you know like I was lying with Andy while he was passing away our dear friend Aaliyah was giving him a foot massage and my parents who are very close with Andy were also there like holding on to him you know like that's how it should be yeah, like that's so deeply important for how you travel through whatever dimension, whatever you believe. It's so deeply important. I always think, like when I was with my mom when she was dying, you know, she had eight kids, and I just sort of felt like, oh, she's done. You know, she's been in labor. Like it's like when somebody's being born, people get excited, and they're all like want to be around, and it's it's sort of like bringing somebody in or taking somebody out. It should be the same kind of joyous weird thing you know it's like it's life yeah it's coming in or going out it's not horrible that you're going to the next place it should be celebrated and joyful and loving and great you know but people freak out about it so much and I don't know why I mean it's funny well actually two things when we were going home in hospice and I had to go in and tell Andy that that was what was going to happen which was the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Because um, yeah. <laughs> um, he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready to die. You yeah. know, he never was. And before I went in and told him, I like had a complete meltdown in the family room. And one of the nurses came in that I'd gotten close to. And she just sat with me and she said to me, she was like, you know, there's no higher honor in life than to serve at someone's birth and to serve at someone's death. And I've actually never been at a birth still, but that is so deeply true. It is like how you come into this world and how you go out of the world. It's so important. And And if if we can realize that the coming in and the going out is important, then maybe we can start thinking about the middle part too. You know what I mean? Like that's important. Like let's be good to each other and let's, let's live like we're going to die. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the empathy. I was actually, um, it's funny, I I just met somebody here who's a widow, and 
I was just out. This was like so random. This was on. So Andy's the anniversary anniversary of his transition is December twenty sixth. So it was on the night of his anniversary of six years, which is crazy. But I went out to go see some music and to like kind of celebrate Andy. And I randomly met this guy that we started talking pretty quickly came up that he was a widow, that his wife passed away from a stem cell transplant. And she was on the same unit in Boston with the same doctors, same nurses (laughs) as Andy. But she passed away two and a half years ago. It was wild. So we've become friends. Like, he's, you know, we're like widow friends. (laughs) (laughs) You know, he he hasn't met another. And, like, his relationship with his wife, Linda is her name, is very similar to sounds like me and Andy's, like, soulmate best friend lover like deep and they're together i think just maybe like seven and a half years or something so there's a lot of similarities and so i've been going to this grief group now with him that i haven't really gone to one of those in a long time but it's what got him through the past two and a half years because grief is a never-ending up and down process right (laughs) it's kind of weird but we were talking at the group last night that um one of the guys said going through love and loss like this just makes you kind of have superpowers in a way is how he <laughs> yeah. described it of like the empathy that you gain and the love and care and empath that you become from going through this process is pretty incredible. And it makes you, I mean, it changes everything about how you, interact with this world move through this world look at this world the people in it the relationships it makes you an empathetic person in deep deep ways that i wish we need more empathy like that in this world because we are all struggling that's for damn sure i mean i wish it didn't happen to you or me or anybody but i'm also very grateful that it happened Mm -hmm. which i mean it seems weird because you know, just thinking about being really lucky and being really unlucky. And I was thinking that I'm really happy, but I'm also devastated. But I'm also mm. like, it's just really weird. It's a very, I love it though, because it makes you think. And it, I really feel more alive than ever in a weird yeah. way because my buddy died. And, you know, after Matt passed away, you know, the whole thing about this is because like, I don't know you that well. But mm-hmm. when um, when Matt passed, I I just really wanted to talk to you because people really loved Andy. People really loved Matt. It was like a, we didn't just lose our buddy. It was like everybody lost them. Yeah. You know, and, and I just wanted to talk to you about it because I figured you were the, one of the only people I knew that could kind of like relate to that part of it. And then it was so funny when I, I butt FaceTimed you. <laughs> And it was just like, I was with Dimas on the porch. I was like, what's that noise? I was like, oh, hey. Hey, Josie. <laughs> and I was like, um, let me call you back. And then we talked on the phone for like an hour. It was hilarious. Yeah, that but was so great. I know. And then I talked about this and now we're talking here. But I think yeah. I think we're going to have to um, do this a couple more times probably. I think so, too. If you There's don't just mind. so many things to talk about. I know. I, mean, I could talk about this for hours. Ever. <laughs> You know, I I think what we keep talking about, how there's so many beautiful things and so many hard things, it's just a... But, like, what's the difference between hard and beautiful and sad and beautiful and sad and happy? It's like, it's the same thing. It's just a weird... It's an emotion. It's like a... 
Ugh. You know, you cry when you're happy, you cry when you're sad. It's just strange. It just makes you think about everything or just being a weird mm-hmm. organism that we're going to die someday. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, that's the yeah. weirdest part. I mean, after Andy passed away, it was pretty interesting because it was like I lived through my worst realized nightmare. My worst nightmare was that he would get sick, not that he would even pass away. I couldn't even fathom that. So it's like coming out the other side. I lived through my worst nightmare that I could possibly think of. Like You what can do anything now. Health? Yeah, it's like you feel a little bit invincible. You're like, yeah, bad shit can still happen to me, but... I mean, I'm here, I'm breathing, <laughs> I'm semi-functional, kind of. Um, I don't know if I really... You're functional. functional. <laughs> it's taken some years. I'm more <laughs> functional now. And also, you're like, you experience death, and I am zero fear of death. I'm not ready to die. Oh, me neither, but I'm, but I'm over my... Fe- I'm, I'm done with that shit. I used to be afraid yeah. of it. I'm, I don't care anymore. Right. I care. Like, I don't want to go drop dead right now. But yeah. if I did, I'd be okay but, with it. Yeah, but yeah, oh, it's not. I gotta knock like on wood. Jeff's telling me to knock fear. on wood because that's an important thing to do. <laughs> I do think one thing that I find frustrating, like having gone through this, and, you know, this is like a permanent state of being almost. I think that is one of the things of loss and, and losing someone that you love so deeply is it's it's overwhelming how unfixable and unchangeable it is and it's not that we don't learn to like keep living and move forward with our life but people that haven't gone through loss to that extent i think a lot of people think that bullshit cliche like time heals and all that stuff it's like get the fuck out of here first of all Time doesn't heal shit. <laughs> it, it, it makes you be able to uh, move with it and you learn to live with it. So, like, sometimes it becomes easier to handle, but it doesn't heal shit, you know, and I think that is a continual frustration. And we were talking about this on the grief group last night, is that people are like, well, you still like grieving? Like, why are you, like, hung up? Like, you need to, like, move on and move forward and I think especially with widows and especially you know I'm 33 like people are like you know you like fall in love again like get out there and meet people like <laughs> you're just holding on and da 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 like wallowing in grief I'm like no I'm actively not trying to wallow in grief I'm living my life but the fact of the matter is this shit will never go away my love for Andy is never gonna fade like I love him every fucking yeah. day I miss him every fucking day you know it's, it's a frustrating thing to me that people just don't really understand that well, you know what I was I was thinking about this the other day and like you know if you are hanging out with somebody you live let's say you live with somebody and blah blah whatever mm-hmm. and if you break up or something, and you might not like them anymore, and they take all their shit with them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you know, Matt died. I still love him. He didn't do anything bad to me. Like, I still love his ass. But all his stuff is still here. It's a lot of business. And Oh, man, yeah. You know, like, I don't know what to do. I, I'll figure it out. I'm not worried about it. But, um, yeah. you know, but, like, all his artwork and all his stuff, and I'm just like, uh, what do I do with it? I feel like I have this sort of a treasure that's not just mine that I have to kind of take care of. It's just weird, you know, like yeah. when, when Andy passed I know away, he like, had some incredible art. And, yeah, that is 
It's all here. Like they have treasure. And I don't want to keel over before I make sure somebody else will take care of it. You know what I mean? Right. It's precious. Yeah. It's precious. It's just strange. And just also just thinking about that, it's like, well, if I keel over dead, if nobody takes care of it, like, what do I care? I'll be dead. Or, you know what I mean? It's just <laughs> right. like, yeah. It's, it's just it's such like... a weird thing. Or like being attached to anything material. Or like when Matt was sick and kind of on the way out, he was like, he started to leave his camera. And he was like, I don't really care about taking pictures. I'm just letting go of that. Letting go, letting go. And I kind of mm-hmm. like, just why don't we all just let go of everything and just not do anything? Or like, I go through phases of that because I. Me and Andy had just our apartment that we, like, we moved in together, I guess, a year after um, we started dating. We moved in before that, but we got this apartment. We pretty much moved in two weeks after we started dating. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But, <laughs> like, moved into this apartment together where we built our home together a year after we started dating. And, you know, we both were artists and creatives, so we both worked from home, so he had his turntables music studio in the living room i had my studio in the second bedroom right off of the living room so we really spent so much time in that space together and it was like our creative space and it just had a lot and we had so much shit and you know by the time (laughs) i moved out because i was like i gotta get the fuck out of vermont it was seven years later and going through that apartment was like all of the stuff that we had accumulated over those seven years plus, you know, the things that we'd had before that. But it yeah. just, I, it literally took me three straight weeks of going through that apartment every day. And oh it was God. the most emotionally draining shit ever. I, I was straight up crazy <laughs> chaos mess. Like, I can't buddy. I'm yeah. just going to, Matt and I were together for like 19, 20 years. Everything is in this house. If I had to move, it'd be so. I'd have to burn the damn place down. <laughs> Seriously, or no, I wouldn't do that. I would just have everybody come over, and just be like, take some stuff. Here you go. Well, that's what I ended up doing. It was actually, you know, I kept what I wanted to keep, and then I just put everything else in the living room, and, and like, I had people come over and be like, take whatever you want, yeah. and it really meant a lot to people, and it was yeah. really beautiful to see, like. You know, there's a lot of people that love Andy. There's a lot of people that love Matt. Like, people really treasured the things that they were able to take, you know, because Andy customized everything. Yeah. It seems like Matt was the same way, where too. it's like, yeah. it's not some generic ass shit. It's like things that they literally <laughs> put their hands on and created. <laughs> I think I may have to do that in the summertime. It was really nice. Like, it really meant a lot to me. And then it meant a lot to the people that were able to come through and take stuff. And it definitely was a powerful thing. And it, it was is sort of like a clearing out-ish for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, it felt good to just, like, kind of release some shit. Because, like, as we, you were just saying, like, and then it's just some material shit. That yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, maybe this one thing does, but not all that other stuff. I only did it at that time because I had to because I was moving out. But it's not really something I totally recommend doing. Yeah. Like, I remember my friend's father had passed away when she was a teenager. And she said, you know, it took her mom, like, 15 years to clean out his closet. And that's real. Like, if I was in the same place, I probably wouldn't have cleaned out Andy's closet yet. Ooh, yeah, tears, but, you know what I mean? Like I, I, know. I would probably leave. It. <laughs> it I know. Was, well, I haven't cause... done anything yet either, but I will. 
Yeah. I mean, there's no time for that shit. I know, I'm like, but I don't want to be that person ready. that's like, you know, it's 15 years later. I mean, God bless. Anyway. Yeah. I have to pee really bad. Is that wrong? <laughs> what are you doing now? What time is it? Um... It doesn't matter. It? It's time anyway, man. It is 6.52 <laughs> specifically, but yeah, time is construction. <laughs> time is just a made-up thing. <laughs> Did you have fun yapping? Yeah. I, you know, I, mean, I love I think talking this is about a, this shit. Honestly. I do too. Like, I, I really could talk about this all day, and I love hearing your experiences. <gasps> I think we should like, just let's just do this again. <laughs> No, I love it because I don't really, I don't, I'm, I don't go to any like, I haven't done any of the grief thingies or any of that. So I'm like, to me, this is kind of a good thing to do. <laughs> yeah, it is. No, talking to people that have been through it is literally yeah. the only way I've gotten to be semi-functional. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should make this a thing and maybe we'll do another one in like a little bit or something. It's yeah, I would cool. love that. Awesome. And I'm always down to talk off the record, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, we can shit, do that, too. You know. We can talk <laughs> shit on the record, off the record, in between the record, whatever you want to do. On a cassette. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're going to go. And, uh... All right. Well, thank you so much for, I feel like um, I'm really excited that you're doing this podcast because it's really important. And I, I am excited and about it. I think it, it's so good to you. like bring death down a level and just like we're just talking shit about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna bad mouth you and like talk shit. You ain't scary. <laughs> you ain't scary, bitch. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Well, I love you bunches and I'll talk to you again soon. All right. So much love to you. Mwah, bye. Mwah. <laughs> Talking shit about death with Diane and Jeff. Yeah, we're all bereft, so get it off your chest. We're talking shit about death. We're talking shit about death. Thanks for spending some of your limited time here on Earth with us. For more stories, photos, and goodies, go to talkingshitaboutdeath.com. See you next time.